Sound good? Oh, yeah, this whole life. You guys can smile. The sun's out. I know winter's here. But it's a great time. We're going to go into a time of the word. And as I go into a time of the word, I want to start. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 7, verse 13 through to 20. We're going to be deep diving into multiple scriptures today. I will say that if you guys are blessed by today's message, you might want to go back and re-listen to it again as it's a conclusion of part two. Do you guys remember what um, sermon part one was? New wine, new wine, new wine. Remember the subtitle of the sermon, new wine. Time for change, time for change. All right. And we're going to be going into part two shortly. And as I go into part two, I'm going to read from Romans chapter seven. As per usual, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. So as you guys are ready, is everybody there? Everyone online, are you guys there? Let me know in the comment section. For those in the building, are you guys there? Some of you guys are just waiting for it to come up on the board, isn't it? Don't worry, I can see you, I can see you. Okay, great. Romans chapter 7, verse 13 through to 20. Let us read the scripture. Cool. If I can have this, okay, time's there. Great. He has then, sorry, verse 13. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was produced death in me through what is good. So that the sin through the commandments might become exceedingly sinful. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spirit, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree that the law that is good. Verse 17. But now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me for i know that is i know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells for to will is present with me but how to perform what is good i do not find verse 19 for the good that i will to do i do not do but the evil that i will not to do that i practice verse 20 now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, verse 23. But I see another law. Someone say another law. In my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then, with the mind, so with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Today's title, as I said, part one of New Wine, is Time for Change. I realized as we were deep diving into New Wine, and it was great listening to some of you guys, as many as a few people, not only during our midweek um, connections um, that we did on Thursday, a few Thursdays back, but also on the following Sunday, where many people just came to share and were just discussing on what we learned about the new wine and the time for change. And like, you know, you're right, Emmanuel, I need a, a new chat, I need a new mindset. I need to understand that I can't put new wine into old wineskins unless it will burst. 
and understanding that when you have a new wine skin, it stretches, it allows the capacity for you to grow, to be the best you can be. And those that haven't heard part one, I would encourage you to check out part one of New Wine is Time for Change. But I've also come to realize there are a few things that stop us from experiencing greater positive change. There are things that stop us from experiencing triumph and success in our walk with Christ and in our life. And those things at times is sin. Those things at times is the things we may battle with. As I was preparing this sermon, I said, Lord, what would I call this sermon? And I had a few titles. But this, the title of today's sermon is New Wine, Part 2, Your Flesh, Your Feelings, and Your Faith. New Wine, Part 2, Your Flesh, Your Feelings, and Your Faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that as I share today's message in conclusion to part one, oh God, that you will continue to bless us, edify us, and the Spirit of God will work in our minds and our members in order to bring to light, to bring to truth, to bring into being the things that you want for the body of Christ as a whole as well as individually within every single one of us. Father, bless my tongue, anoint my tongue, that as I speak to your people, oh God, that it will be well received for them to walk in the fruit and in the favor and in the light of Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Why, some of you might be thinking, why the flesh, why our feelings, and why our faith, Emmanuel? Why? Why? You said new wine, like new wine skins. I get it. I'm ready for the new. I'm ready for the new. But sometimes to be ready for the new, we need to get rid of the old. But how many of us know that old habits die hard? Anyone here? Or just me? Yeah, old habits die hard. <laughs> Trust me. I'll never forget when I first gave my life to the Lord. And unfortunately, I was heavily influenced by MTV bass and the like. And I remember seeing all the wonderful music videos that I used to watch and the way it used to objectify the woman's body. And I remember when I was telling my cousin who was saved and on fire for Christ, I thought, cousin, man, you're just too on fire. Please, let's just chill. Let's just tone it down a little bit. She's like, no, 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 no. And I remember walking with her and I remember seeing one wonderful girl walking <laughs> from the opposite direction. And my cousin was speaking to her. And my cousin, you're not even focused. I'm like, oh, no, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. She's like, look at you, man, you're still in sin. I'm like, no, I'm not. Come on, I don't even do that no more, man. I've been listening to you, you know. Abstinent and running from all that worldly stuff. She's like, yeah, but you're still thinking about it. So, rubbish. Talk about progress. Talk about, like, appreciate my small achievements. No, you're still thinking about it. You can't even control your eyes. You can't, the things I don't want to do that I do. You begin to wrestle this war within me, this sin that dwells within me. But we all want change, but we don't all want to pay for the sacrifices of change. We all want change, but we don't realize that great change comes with a great sacrifice at times. Whether that's a, a change of being a, a potential president. We all want to potentially be like a Nelson Mandela, but how many of us are going to be in prison for many years and then come out of prison and then forgive those that have done these things against us in order to have the right heart for change? Change. 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 And as I was playing with this title, your flesh, your feelings, and your faith, if I was to sum up this title into something modern that we might all understand... I would entitle this as New Wine. Is it really time for cuffing season? New Wine. Is it really time for cuffing season? For cuffing season, for those that might not, not understand what I'm saying is, we realize that in a particular period or particular months in the winter period, it gets really cold. It gets really chilly. People feel lonely. People want to feel loved. People want to feel cared for. You want to be by the fireplace and hugged and remembered, and seen, and felt, 
and appreciate it. And as I say, sometimes people want to be in relationships in the winter, but they want to be single in summer. <laughs> May that not be your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. But the reason why I bring this up is because I realize that in the season when we may feel lonely, our flesh desires to be felt. Our flesh desires to feel one with something. Our flesh desires to come alive. And unfortunately, our flesh can take us to negative places that we don't want to be. I've seen at times that sin will try and block our new season, the new wine, the new growth, the new wineskin. Sin is what comes to destroy the very things that God has in store for us. And we sometimes say, God, how come it's not coming? But we might need to ask and examine our hearts and ourselves and our actions is that, what sin have we been playing in? Ask to the person next to you, what sin have you been playing in? Ask the other person next to you because that person's not convinced. What sin have you been playing in? And the first thing I want to bring up is point number one. Your flesh is not your friend. Your flesh is not your friend. I always say that, please be aware that your flesh is not going to heaven with you. Yeah. We need to understand that your flesh ain't going to heaven with you. You don't believe me? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to quickly read from verse 1 through to 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It goes as follows. For we know that we are glory from the New Living Translation. If you can for me, please. The New Living Translation. Are we there? Okay. Oh, fantastic. The NLT version. Now, for we know that when this earthly tent we living is taking down, that is when we die and we leave this earthly body. What body? Earthly body. We will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Who makes the, who makes the heavenly body? God. There's a new body. So if you ever wonder at times, and please understand that today we're not here to condemn anyone or look down on anyone or speak ill of anyone, but yes, we all wrestle with the flesh in different times and seasons and in different ways. I always say, unfortunately, we live in a world where as soon as somebody sins, everyone has a, everyone has a reason for why that person sinned. Oh, they did that because of this. Oh, they fell because of this. But I always say we need to be aware that because you see the fruit, that doesn't mean you always understand the root. Because you feel like, oh, someone fell into sexual sin. Oh, maybe they're lost in. Oh, how do you know they're not lonely? How do you know they haven't been abused? How do you know? Oh, but they, they fell into that. But how do you know they, they probably once, they weren't once married and when they were married, these things were normal because these things are allowed to be done in marriage. But as soon as you come out of marriage or as soon as you, unfortunately, if you go for a divorce, you're now wrestling with something that you never need to wrestle with. You see, we're always looking at the fruit but no one looks at the root. And it's time for us to be compassionate and I always say it's important to try and look from other people's perspective to have a greater understanding of how we can pray for them, how we can watch over them, how we can hold their hand how we can assist them, how we can read the word to them, how we can let them know that it's okay as long as they're truly willing to remain in Christ. Verse 2, what does it say? We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put our, our heavenly bodies on like a new clothing. Sometimes the wrestle is hard and the wrestle is real. But I want to let you know that my Christ is realer. I want to let you know that even in my time when my cousins stay face your front, stop looking back. Yeah, the mysticals and the Nellies of this world try to deform my mind, but no, thanks be to God in the highest that I cancelled such people and Christ came to my calling to correct my mind in order for me to see correctly, to walk in him because coughing season is a very dangerous season because what many people don't understand is that when you get coughed, you forget that you might not have the keys and when you don't have the keys, you might find yourself entrapped in a sin that you can't get out of its snare. The flesh... The flesh is not your friend. 
Look down with me when it says in verse 4, it says, while we live in this earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us, but rather we want to put on the new body so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. We've had enough. We've had enough. Verse 7 goes as follows. For we live, by be- we live by believing and not by seeing. Why am I bringing that up? Because later on I'm going to be touching on faith. We live by believing. The New King James Version says, it doesn't use the word believing, it says we live by faith. The question is that which one is bigger? Is your sin and, and the fear of what happens if the FOMO kicks in, the fear of missing out, so you don't want to miss out, so you rush things? But I always say that if you rush the things that God has told you not to rush into, it will ru- ruin you. If you rush into things that God has told you not to rush into, it would ruin you. We need to be mindful and be truly careful of this. Verse 9, so whether you are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please who? Please God. Our goal is to please him. To please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. For we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we have done in this earthly body. This earthly body. This earthly body. For us to truly get new wine, we need to see what is the old wine created within us. What problems, what cancer, what what stuff has the old wine created within our being that we need to address? Another thing I want us to be aware of is that we need to be aware that our body belongs to God. Our body belongs to God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 19 through to 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 19 through to 20. It goes as follows. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy God? Who is in you? Whom you Whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are are not your own. What does it tell us in verse 20? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Who owns it then? God. The reason why I say this is going to be important because I'm going to show you something I learned from Joseph because it tells us who owns it. When you come to Christ, you realize that your life is not your own. We sing the song, my life is not my own. To you I belong. I know praise worship says that. Don't Don't try and show me up. Don't try and show me up. But we need to be aware that when our life is not our own, who do we belong to? We belong to God. And it's a timely reminder that we must glorify God in our bodies and in our spirit. And I'm not just talking about merely fornication. I'm not even necessarily talking about anger. I'm even talking about food. Yeah, if you can't say amen, you better say ouch. Because I've come to learn that many people have said that those that are able to discipline their, their, their bodies with how they manage food can actually discipline and master anything. That's why it's important to pray and fast. As soon as you say, I'll oh, pray and fast this next week, so we're like, oh my gosh, let me quit eat as much as I can before that whole week, yeah. That's what the mind does. But I've come to learn that when we are able to discipline our body, and believe it or not, true discipline also leads to true freedom. I said it, true discipline leads to true freedom. You don't believe me? <laughs> Try and go and do some workouts for those that are able to work out. I'll never forget me working out like, no, I'm not working out for nobody. I'm slim and slender. When I started walking up my staircase, <laughs> I realized that, yeah, there's a problem there. But it's when you begin to do it, it's hard. It's hard. You see, because I had no discipline, I was now a slave to the body that's struggling up the staircase. But the moment I was able to get into the routine of things, it gave me more freedom of breathing, more freedom of mobility. Our flesh, our body is a temple of God. See, we forget that gluttony is a sin. We forget. 
I forget. Because I'm a foodie. I'm a big boy foodie. I know you don't see it on me. I'm a big boy foodie. Ask anybody. Somebody's got nothing on me. But we move. We move. We move. We must understand that our bodies belong to God. Our bodies belong to God. Let us learn to discipline our bodies. Now, the thing I need to say, as I said, as I said earlier, that when we was looking at our bodies and understanding that the flesh is not your friend, I also want you to understand the next point to be aware of is this. Your feelings are not final. Your feelings are not final. We're discussing today your flesh, your feelings, and your faith. The flesh is not your friend, but guess what? Your feelings are not final. Your feelings are not final. Your feelings aren't a choice, but your behavior and the thoughts that you continue to entertain are. Your feelings aren't a choice. What do I mean by that? How many of you guys have ever watched a movie and it just scares you? I said, like, come on, man, calm down. You're like, bro, don't tell me to calm down. Like, that's just reacting, man. I, also, I don't watch scary movies. I just think, I don't know what, I don't know what possesses people to watch scary movies. Like, I just don't. I'm going to bed. Like, <laughs> I shut the door. I'm like, did the door move? Like, <laughs> no, like, why should I? Because I can't control my feelings. But I need to learn to control my thoughts and what I choose to entertain. Because what I choose to entertain will also show me the choices I'll be making. I always say you are free to make the choice you want to make, but you're not free from the consequences of your choice. You're free from the choices you want to make, but you're not always free from the consequences of your choice. Your feelings can make you do some foolish things in this life. How many of you guys have ever done something stupidly wrong when you're angry? Anybody? How many of you guys have even made the excuse that, oh, I did it because I was angry, right? And I always say when emotions rise, intellect drops. When emotions rise, intellect drops in any sphere. Even after watching sports, yeah, get in there. You nearly punch your TV, like, calm down. I always love it when I'm sitting down with somebody that doesn't get football. I'm there shy, celebrating, like, come on, what's going on? They're looking at me like, you're right, bro. Like, just calm down. <laughs> feelings, emotions. When emotions rise, intellect drops, we need to understand that our feelings are not final. Our feelings are not final. Let me tell you a story about my wonderful dog called Dollar. Many of you guys might have heard this story. I've shared it many times a few years back. Because it reminds me of a particular scripture. Before I even tell you that story called Dollar, turn with me to Roman, sorry, Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26. I'm going to read from verse 11, 3 to 12. Are you there with me? Proverbs 26. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Sometimes your feelings will make you do some foolish things. Want me to prove it to you? The Holy Spirit gave me a great example when, the, when my dog did it. I used to have a dog called Dollar. Wonderful dog. And we used to give my dog, like, uh, doesn't know its own boundaries. He used to eat everything. everything. I'm like, Dollar, don't eat that. And I'm like, what's wrong with this dog? And when he wants to vomit, like, if you, anyone that's ever had a dog or has a dog, <laughs> when a dog either farts or vomits or what, they have no, they have no, like, no filter. At least when we cough as humans, we go, oh, cover your mouth. Like, don't. When my dog was vomiting, oh, oh. I'm looking at him like, whoa, like, I thought I was going to die. Like, Dolly, you're right. I said, what's going on? And it vomited. It was like, whoa. It's one of the most ugliest, nastiest things. Ugly to see. Ugly. But something happened. I said, oh. I remember calling my brother. Your bro, bring me something. I need to go and clean this mess. He couldn't hear me. Your bro, couldn't clean this mess. As I went to call him, my dog went back to lap up his own vomit. Look at your faces. Some of your faces are like, oh, that's disgusting. Oh, that's nasty. But have you ever wondered that's exactly how God looks at us when we go back to those sin that God has delivered us from? 
Oh, that's nasty, man. Your dog, probably licking his lips. No, that sound, the sound is disturbing you guys. That's exactly what our sin looks like when we go back to it. Our feelings. Our feelings. The toxic futures in our life. Messaging us on the times when we feel most vulnerable. Yo, man, I miss you, babes. Great month for me. Have you guys ever wondered, why is it at your most vulnerable times that those wonderful toxic exes seem to message you? Have you ever wondered? Maybe you need to be aware that as the enemy knows what you are, the enemy is prowling like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour, which means he's always watching. He's watching to see when you're most vulnerable now. She's vulnerable. Yo, 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 call her now. Call her now. Yeah, call him now. Call him now. When you're most vulnerable, when you're most vulnerable, you need to be watchful because your feelings are not final. Your feelings can really, really throw you off course. There's a guy that I love. One of the, I just loved his story. One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. This guy called Joseph. Joseph in the book of Genesis, chapter 39, verse 9. Joseph does something powerful and interesting, and I'll read it for you as it goes along. It says, <clears throat> There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept anything back, anything back from me but you, because you are his wife. Then how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Let me tell you why I'm reading that. For those of you guys that know the story, <laughs> Potiphar's wife tries to move to Joseph. Joseph, Potiphar's giving Joseph everything. Like, listen, I let you control everything. <laughs> but my woman, my woman, <laughs> don't touch my woman, boy. Don't touch, the, that's my position, that's mine. Don't touch, that's mine. But what happens? Joseph's handsome. He's bold. He's chocolatey like me. He wears a nice, colorful coat. He's like, yeah, come, man. Come, I want to entertain you. Come. But I love what Joseph says here. You see, sometimes in that season, we don't know how long. Joseph was probably celebrating all his life. Maybe he was a virgin. Who knows? Because he was unmarried. But the temptation there, nobody's there. No CCTV, nothing. But he says something that heightens the level. He says, you are his wife. That alone should let you know that that's not your property. You shouldn't even be touching her, let alone looking at her. But he takes it to another level. What does he say? He says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? God. You see, we need to be aware. And when our feelings are trying to take us in the wrong direction, we need to ask ourselves, are people going to catch me? Are people going to see me? That's not what you should be asking yourself. Because God sees you. God knows. And if God was to stand there, would you do it? And the answer, if the answer is no, then flee. Because one of the problems that we all have, and I have at times, is pride. What do I mean by pride? No, just a little bit. Well, I can still kind of hang about. Well, at least I'm just there. For some of us, we need to flee. You struggle with drink? If you can hang around people that drink, and you struggle with it, you better flee. Because that environment is temp tempting to you. Not for all, but for some. Or you struggle with certain things, you shouldn't be watching certain things online. Hey, yeah, Netflix needs to be denied. You shouldn't be watching certain things online. Why? Because you're, you're, what you're not aware of is that it's disturbing your spirit. Because we are wired differently. Your flesh, your feeling is not final. But your feelings are there to deceive you. I always say, your feelings are there to indicate things to you, but they're poor directors. They indicate. They let you know what's going on. You can't always control them. They let you know what's going on. But don't let your feelings become directors in your life. Do not allow your feelings to become directors in your life. 
We need to please, 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 be, please be aware. Don't allow this so-called cuffing season send you back to that toxic ex that God has delivered you from. Don't allow your feelings to cause you to binge eat or, or to make you go into fits of rage or to make you develop a mindset and a heart of unforgiveness. Because your feelings, your feelings can really begin to cripple something that God has called into your life. But because of our lack of understanding, our lack of discipline, and our lack of mastering our feelings and putting them in its rightful place, they make it fully, fully take us off course. We need to be aware that we shouldn't allow our negative feelings to lead us to create division between us and our purpose partners. Notice I said purpose partners. Because your purpose partner is not only your life partner, your purpose partner could be someone that you might be doing business with, somebody that you're doing, you're involved with, somebody that you're on a project with at work. Yet there's a purpose there. There's something to achieve in that moment in time, but you're allowing divisions. You're allowing these things to come in, and I will explain a bit more to you on that. Because that lets, leads me to the next point, which is, which way are you walking? Which way are you walking? When we're talking about our flesh, our feelings, and our faith, which way are you walking? Quickly look at um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through to 24. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through to 24. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, flesh, sorry, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, someone say led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery. So I say, hmm, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. <laughs> Let me stop that hatred. Because I think some of us, even though if we may stand for certain movements, don't allow the movements that we stand for make us cause hatred to the other things. Unless those things are the very things that God also has a hatred for. Be careful that the hatred doesn't lead us for our hearts to grow hard and callous. Because these feelings, these emotions, these things are contrary to the spirit. These things are evident in the flesh. Hatred, contentions, contentions. Married couples, dating couples, friendships, families, relationships with our parents. I'm not speaking to them. What was the last time you spoke to I didn't speak to them at all. Why? I'll never forget what one person said. Hold on, you sleep in the same bed with your wife, but you haven't spoken for two months. Two, how? Even when you roll, don't you even speak in your sleep? How? <laughs> Contentions. You think the battle you're fighting is the battle. Not knowing the enemy's even got something. I always tell people, if you could see the, what the enemy has in store for your future, you would never even allow division to come between you and your purpose partner. You would not allow it. You would not allow it. Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. I love that. And the like. Which means all the future things to come that the Bible hasn't documented, and the like. Things that are similar to that, and the like, which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You won't inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and I love where it ends with self-control. Feelings. Are you going to master your feelings or are your feelings going to master you? 
self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the what? The flesh and the passions and the desires. Passions and desires, feelings. Feelings. Feelings, the emotions, the flesh. Until we master this very thing, there will always be a snare to us. The next thing I want you to be aware of as I, as I, before I kind of tie all this together, I want you to be aware that when your feelings, or let me speak for myself, when my feelings and my flesh play up, the two things I need to do is feed my spirit and feed my faith. When my feelings and my flesh is playing up, two things I need to do is feed my spirit and feed my faith. Any of my mentees and those close to me know that I always say one thing. If you ever hear me say, Pastor Emmanuel, what are you reading today? And I say, Romans 8 on my plate? <laughs> you know why? Because my flesh is playing up. My feelings are playing up. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. I'm going to fly through, and I will encourage you guys, if you are blessed by this, probably you might need to make Romans 28 on your plate. There's a few scriptures of Romans 28 that I find truly powerful and profound. I love the opening in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the what? Spirit. And I speak to people here, if you feel that, oh my days, but Emmanuel, you don't know what I did yesterday. Guess what? As long as you're not walking in the direction that you was walking yesterday, you're good. Why? Because you're not walking in that direction. So you're not walking according to the things of the flesh, but according to the things of the spirit today, which means there is grace for you right now. There's mercy for you right now. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The question is that what are you in and what are you influenced by? Verse 3. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, in account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So guess what? The flesh and the sin still needs to be paid for. Still needs to be dealt with. It still needs to be killed. Still needs to be crucified. And God did that for us, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The latter part of verse 4, it says, Do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Which way are you walking? What is on your plate? But Emmanuel, I'm wrestling, I know. Feed the spirit. But Emmanuel, is hard, I know. But feed the spirit. But Emmanuel, is pulling me, I know. But feed the spirit. Some of us really need to cancel the mindset of, my mind is telling me no. Guess what? Your mind needs to tell you to read your word. Because for some of us, when the flesh is playing out, we don't want to pick up the Bible. For some of us, we might need to stop reading the Bible on our phones because guess what? Pop-ups come up on our phones. Yeah. And get into God's solid word. Put your phone to the side. Put it on. Do not disturb. Because God is the author of time. See, when your flesh is playing up, it gives you every reason why you need to actually, I'll just, you know, I could read it later. It gives you every reason underneath the sun. And I always say, if the enemy cannot destroy you, he will distract you. We need to really be careful of what is happening there. Jump with me down to verse, hmm, verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Because of righteousness. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body we live in. We put it to death. We put it to death. For as many are you are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. We become sons of God. Verse 15, for we do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we receive the spirit of adoption, which whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You know one thing I love about Abba, Father? Whether even if you say it backwards, you're still saying it the right way. 
What am I trying to say there? I'm trying to say that no matter what you're going through in life, cry out, Abba, Father. When your flesh is playing, Abba! <laughs> Abba, Father. Oh, you need to cry out. Because I always tell people, you need to speak life into your spirit when your flesh is playing up. You need to speak life into your spirit and remember that Romans 8 must be on your plate. I love what it says in verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Where is it going to be revealed? In us. It doesn't say to us, it says in us. I do not consider the suffering. Guess what? Yes, in that time time or season when it feels like it's cuffing season. Yeah, it feels like you're suffering. It feels hard. You feel lonely. You feel alone. You feel... You feel let down. You feel like nobody's there to help you or support you. But in this present time, it's not worthy to be compared. If you was to get a string worth 10 miles long, if you was to get a string to about 100 miles long, one centimeter on the string that is 100 miles long is your life here on this, or, or, on this earth. And the rest of it is just the beginning of eternity in your life. I'll say it again. If you had a string 100 miles long, one centimeter, I bet this length is what your life is here on this earth. The 60, 80, 100, 110, 120, 150 years. It's still one centimeter. And the rest of that string is just the beginning of your life in eternity. The beginning. But I don't fully understand God. Guess what? In eternity, you're still learning about God. You're still learning about God. John, read down to verse, verse 28. Sorry, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings we cannot utter. When you feel weak, when your spirit, when your flesh is playing up, when your feelings are all over the gaff, you need to pray in the Spirit. You need to come alive in the Spirit. You need to ask the Spirit to pray for you. You need to ask the Spirit to intercede for you, because guess what? You cannot do it by yourself. And your pride tells you to do it by yourself. Your pride tells you to go and seek a therapist. Go and seek a counsellor. Go and read self-help books. Those things are good, but they are not the primary source that will give you the success that you need in a new season. We need to wake up, church, because the world is falling away. The world is truly falling away. Verse 28, and we know that all things work together for the good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Whose purpose are we called to? God's. Whose purpose do we need to fulfill? God's. We get so caught up with purpose that we've forgotten God's greater purpose and then we remix and make our own purpose. I would say keep it simple. What is God's purpose? What was Jesus' commandment? Go out, share the gospel, make disciples, love your neighbor, forgive your enemies. Are we doing the basics before we're actually looking for greater breakthrough in our life? Or do we need to go back and actually see the things that we need to do to be better? And I love what it says here in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can be against you? Your flesh can't be against you. Neither can your feelings if God is for you. The question is, whose side are you standing on? Your flesh and your feelings or on God's side? To live in the spirit or to live in the lustful flesh, the carnal flesh that really lives for our destruction? I always tell people, the enemy knows how to offer us sin without the price tag. What do I mean by that? When I go shopping, I've got a budget. Oh, that looks good. Let me look at it. <laughs> but as I'm looking at it, I need to see that price tag as well, boy. Because if that's outside my budget, I need to go. When the enemy offers you sin or something tempting, there is no price tag, which means you don't even know what about price you're about to pay for it. Until afterwards. Hindsight is 2020. But the Holy Spirit 
is 100-100 and it's trying to be 100 with you so that you don't walk and live in such a thing. What does it tell us in verse 35? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? Hmm. Verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. You are more than conqueror through him who loves us. Emmanuel, how do you conquer this? Stay in Christ. Emmanuel, how do you conquer this? Stay in the spirit. Emmanuel, how do you conquer this? Walk with God. And I close with this point. As I was really putting this together, I was like, wow, D, this is, this is a lot. New wine. Like, can't we have something encouraging? But I've come to learn that, you know what? Some people say that you learn more from pain than you do from success. And at times, we might need to address the very thing that's causing a blockage in our future success. What's causing this blockage? I close with you in talking about the cup. New wine. Your flesh, your feelings, and your faith. As we put our faith in Christ, as we read here, we can see the greater things that God can do in us. But there's something about the cup. What do I mean by that? Matthew chapter 26, verse 39 to 43, is really powerful for a reason. Listen to what happens here. Matthew 26, verse 39 to 43. He went a little farther and fell on his face. Jesus fell on his face. And he prayed saying, Oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Some of us need to, before we pray to God, before we question God, before we think, which one is it God? Stop playing rock, paper, scissors with God and just fall on your face, please. Because as you fall on your face and have the right heart posture of humility, then you can understand what God has for you. Not only on this side, but also in eternity. Verse 40 says, Then he came to his disciples and found them what? Sleeping. And he said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me for one hour? They were sleeping white in the flesh. Tired. It's weary. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Look. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. What the flesh and your feelings do is try to stop you from living a life of prayer and watching. Not only with physical eyes, but with discerning eyes. Watching. Not only with discerning eyes, but with spiritual eyes. Lest you enter into temptation. What does it say? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit's willing. The spirit wants to do it, but the flesh is weak. But here's where it gets interesting. Verse 42. Again, a second time, he went away to pray. Oh, my father, if this cup can pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. One thing I love about this, Jesus wrestled like the way we wrestle. Not only once, he said, not my will, but your will. It wasn't that simple. He went away and prayed again. It's hard. The cup. The cup. But why is the cup so significant? Because the wrath of God, the cup that Jesus would drink from, was the source of our freedom. He said, this is tough. People think the whips, all this stuff, the crucifixion, the nails in the hands and the feet, was what he was scared of. You think Jesus was scared of that? The full wrath of God, all the power that created all the universe, the galaxies and everything, to be poured out onto one man, Every single thing, every power to be poured out onto one man, the wrath of God, 
to punish and kill sin finally. She's like, this is a law, but not my will, but your will. Again, he did it twice. But why am I bringing this up to you guys? I'm bringing this up to you because something significant happened here in Matthew chapter 27, verse 34. I realized that this was interesting, that he wanted a cup to be away from him. The cup, the cup, the wrath of God. But there's also something else that happened that is significant here. Matthew 27, verse 44. They gave him what wine? Sour wine, mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink it. Who's read that scripture before? When I read that, I was like, Robert, this Roman centurion, like, man is dying, man's on the cross. He said, I'm thirsty. She said, I'm thirsty. Give me something to drink. <laughs> yeah, we got something for you. Give you sour wine <laughs> with gall. I was like, what's gall? What's gall? When I went to look it up, I realized that gall is something bitter. It could have been myrrh, it could have been, but usually it's like a narcotic. And what happens is that um, people of that time would usually, when somebody is dying, or if you even notice some of the medieval times in the UK, they used to give people alcohol to, to numb them while they're operating on it. But while they're just crucifying our Lord and Savior, take this. He tasted it. He didn't drink it. He tasted it. He said, mm, no more. And here's where the revelation that I caught from this. As that happened to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he didn't only go, mm, no, I don't want to take it. Because he could have actually taken it because it would actually help him with the pain that he was going through. He realized in dying for us, nah, I do not want any shortcuts. I don't want no shortcuts. Nah, this thing that's going to numb the senses, the numb the pain, numb the flesh, nah, 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 this flesh will die. This body will die so my people can be set free. See, the cup that he said be away from, he took that cup. The wine that they gave him, the wine with God, which was a sour wine, what did he do? He gave us good wine which brings me full circle to what I shared in the first sermon and I close with John chapter 2 verse 9 to 10 John chapter 2 verse 9 to 10 goes as follows when the master of the feast had tasted the water which was made wine and did not know where it came from but the servant who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him every man at the beginning sets out the good wine but the guests have well drunk and there, and sorry, and then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Why am I sharing this with you? When Jesus chose to take the sour wine that we deserve, he gave us the good wine. Why am I also sharing that with you? Because one of the revelations I want to get from that is that it is better to wait for the good wine that God has for you in your life than to drink the sour wine of sin that will set you apart from the true and living God. The last wine Jesus drank was bitter. The last one we will drink is sweet. Don't let, don't live for the coughing season of the flesh or feelings. Live for Christ who makes all things new. For us to get the new wine, we must walk with God. We must live for God. We must walk in the spirit because whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. But for us to be free, he chose to die. And for he chose to die, we must learn to die to our sins so that our spirit can come alive. In Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, because this is truly a new season. We don't need to wait for the beginning of a new month to call it a new season. We don't even need to wait, oh God, for a new day to call it a new season, for the time is now. The time is now. The time is now. 
new wine to flesh the feelings and our faith. Father, may our faith be bigger than our feelings. May our faith be bigger than our flesh. May our faith be bigger than our flaws. May our faith be bigger, bigger than the things that we desire. Father, Lord, may we have a bigger faith in you. For the word of God tells us it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Lord, may we continue to please you as we discipline our bodies, as we die to the flesh, as we master our feelings and as we walk in faith, as we trust you and make you know. Father, I pray.